0: And we're live.
1: Yay. Yay.
0: Bienvenida <laughs> Yasmin. Yasmin. or Doctora Marimo?
1: Doctora Yas. para eso estudié mucho. <laughs>
0: Perfecto, Doctora Yas. So I'm just going to do a quick introduction and then we'll okay. just get started right away. And I always forget what the name of the podcast is, by the way.
2: <laughs>
0: I know. Hi guys, welcome. Uh, welcome to the show. Today we have a special guest. Her name is Doctor Yaz. Um, Dr. Yasmin Marimon. Uh, she's a licensed mental health counselor correct? Yes. Uh, and she's a self-proclaimed sex expert which <laughs> that brings all of these we have an audience in the Oof. room you guys can't see them but <laughs> they're here and welcome to the How Did You Get Here podcast. So
1: thank you very much for your invitation I'm very excited to awesome, be here today. Awesome and this is going
0: to be in Spanglish we already talked Spanglish, about Spanglish in case yes. we get stuck. And, and I'm excited because this is definitely a topic that attracts a lot of people whether we're talking about sex whether we're talking about relationships um i think everybody has just a ton of questions yes and later on i posted something on instagram so i'll probably pull up some questions live that's great that people are going to have and that way we can keep the conversation going that's great so welcome thank you pleasure to have you here thank you thank you so anything that you want to just get started on Mm -hmm. or
1: um, well, just to talk a little bit about me, mm-hmm. uh, as you say, I'm a licensed mental health counselor. I work a lot with couples in my private uh, practice, uh, especially I help them to build uh, intimacy, emotional and sexual intimacy, and to co-create a uh, safe place between them. Uh, so we can talk a little bit more about that and I'm sure there is going to be questions mm-hmm. about uh, intimacy and relationships. Um, So I'm here. So uh, take this as an opportunity to ask all the questions. Oh, we got plenty of questions. about (laughs) it. But you said
0: something interesting. You said in a safe place. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by in a safe place?
1: Well, you know, couples, they come to session already uh, in a place where they feel insecure Mm -hmm. or they may feel uh, resented or upset with each other. Um, Sometimes they come to, to session not knowing what to expect. Right, so the first thing that I create for them <clears throat> is like, well, I invite them to to just relax, to feel calm, to talk to me about them. You know, tell me about you. I want to know about them first as human beings and as a couples, and not like, a, oh, we have a problem here, we need to fix it. Um, so they, they start to talk about them. They start to talk about how they they were attracted to each other at, at the beginning, and just just that, crea- start to create a safe place where they, they can feel some trust there. And that uh, is very helpful because then they, they can feel more relaxed, you know, and it's an invitation into, okay, so now how is that you would like to improve, what is that you would like to change in your relationship. And sometimes it's that tough things, you know, like affairs, um, really uh, the functional patterns of communication. Um, and they want to, they don't know what to do with that. And sometimes it's like resentment. And that is one of the biggest, biggest challenges uh, when it comes to heal that resentment. Uh, because probably that resentment has been there for years. Mm-hmm. Not two, not three years, but years. And it's now that they're recognizing that it's something that that is between between both of them. Um, and Probably, that's the first time uh, that they really, really, really dig into those type of feelings, Uh, you know, frustrations, but really the frustration is just the window. You know, what's Mm -hmm. behind the window is hurt, is pain, and usually they don't talk about the pain. They usually talk about, oh, because you did this and you did that, or, or, you know, it's a lot of uh, blaming and accusations. Why do we
0: go to that? Instead of addressing the underlying issue? Mm-hmm. sometimes what pops up is the blaming on dishes or, or very superficial level problems yes. but the problems are much deeper why is it that most couples struggle with this
1: well first they don't know that there's other underlying issues because uh they don't learn that in the school <laughs> and that's why we are here yeah to teach them <laughs> <laughs> Um, so once they know that it's not about the dishes or the clothes or, or anything else, you know, uh, they start to say, ah, uh-huh. <laughs> I understand now. <laughs> um, so I, that's, the f- that's what I, I told them. Like, I'm going to be your teacher. I'm going to guide you in how to communicate, how to learn to communicate, how to learn to identify what's really the source of the conflicts that you're having here. And it's a, a huge part in self-knowledge, because that is for themselves, I mean, it's not only for the relationship, it's a way to, to, for them to know each other uh, better. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a real transformation, because I always tell them, the transformation here is not a cognitive transformation, it's an emotional transformation, because we are going to be talking from the emotions. And that is, is really a huge, just right there is the first step to, to change. When you say a cognitive change.
0: transformation, what do you mean by that?
1: Uh, talking, mm-hmm. you know, um, this, this long, long, long narrative that sometimes copies they get lost <laughs> on that narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I just, I, but I, you know, it seems like he or she doesn't understand me. I have told the same thing one, two, three, 1,000 times, mm-hmm. uh, and I still don't get it. And it's, and it's not going to get it because the real history is what what, what comes from the emotion. You know, I always say to uh, say to the couple, um, emotions, they have a history. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's what you're feeling now, what it is, you know, and, and what is that in your body. So let's go to travel with that emotion to see what those shoes in the middle of the <laughs> living room means mm-hmm. to you. You know, and usually it has to do with... Um, I'm not feeling understood, so if I don't feel understood by my partner or hurt, then my partner doesn't love me, or I, don't, I feel unloved or uncared. And that's really the main reason, you know? That's, that's really what is popping up at that time for that person.
0: Feeling unloved, unvalued, not unvalued, cared for.
1: Unvalued, not, not cared for, okay. yes.
0: And so you mentioned resentment. Um, that resentment, I, I would say resentment leads to sometimes to betrayal, and the ultimate betrayal for a lot of people in relationships is what you mentioned earlier, affairs and infidelity. Yes. How do you help people through infidelity or affairs?
1: Uh, Well, that's a a huge one, very important. Um, Betray and, uh, well, resentment also has to do with expectations, Mm -hmm. right? So when you come into a relationship, you expect this mountain of, of things, you know, you're going to be my good lover, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, my friend, uh, my partner, my companion, uh, The even sometimes it's a provider. Um, so we create this huge expectation um, and sometimes there is the illusion, you no know, <laughs> the illusion of, of love. Uh, that at the beginning is, is great, it's perfect, yes, but after 18 months, uh, those other things that your brain couldn't see, because the rush of dopamine and serotonin and all of those mm-hmm. wonderful uh, chemicals, um, they don't allow you to see it. So that's the, when, when I start, the, the, the real love really starts at that point, when you start to see those, um, how your partner start to push your buttons. No, and, and if you don't realize that, and you continue with that dynamic, resentments really can build up with the time, because those expectations are not met anymore. Oh, because you were not like this at the beginning, and now you are this way. Um, or sometimes the couple, they just fall into the dynamic that is not completely healthy. For example... Um, Submissive dominant dynamic, you know, like I do everything for you, um, I don't have a voice, and with the time that voice gets lost of one of the partner. And 10 years after down the road, there is resentment because I don't have a voice, but both are responsible for the loss of that voice, you know, because it can be controlling, uh, there's control issues, there's power struggle issues, uh, there's a lot of different dynamics going on there in that specific sample. So uh, with a fair, and betray affair is something that is uh, is lacking inside, in lacking inside yourself. I mean, we had uh, we had bit different definitions about affair, um, and sometimes is uh, something that a symptom, you know, is, is indicates that something is going on in the relationship, but uh, also indicates that something is going on inside you, it's you know, like the individual inside who the individual the who oh, commits uh, affair, okay. exactly. Uh, because if that person is looking outside the relationship, it means that it's not fully present in, in, the, in that space. Um, and it may not be fully present because something inside themselves, you know, part of their identity, or maybe they feel that they, they, don't, they are not themselves anymore in the relationship, and somebody else outside triggers that part of them that feels like that is sleeping, you know, that is latent, that is not activated, mm-hmm. um, and they feel alive again. So the, what this affair is telling them, like, oh, I'm alive. I can feel how I kind of, how common of it this way in my relationship, you know? And it's a great opportunity if it's taken in, in, from that perspective. It is a great opportunity to heal in the relationship, to say, OK, what this is, ta- is saying about you, what this is saying about the relationship, and also what this is saying about the role of your partner in this dynamic. Uh, so I work a lot with, with affairs and I take it and this is all part of the education I provide to the couple. So let's go to take this as an opportunity to really um, discover and explore what is really going on and what was not working in the relationship for, for both of you. Um, because relationship also they grow you know they have their different stages and affair can happen at the beginning of the relationship or it may happen after 10 years or 20 years and every in every stage it may have a different meaning and that's what I explore with the couple in the the session like what is the meaning of this Um, and if they want to work on it we work on it because is this really a commitment you know it's very 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 painful uh, for the Partner that has been uh, betrayed, so there is a uh, the trust. I always say to them, uh, don't let's not, let's not go to great expectation that trust uh, is going to be feel like you are going to feel trusted tomorrow mm-hmm. or after tomorrow or in one month or in two years or in one year. Sometimes it's even one year. Sometimes it's an ongoing process to build that trust. You no, know? so. Expectations need to be really very really clear when they come to work with, a be- with feelings of betrayal and affair. Because. What, what per- I'm sorry to interrupt <laughs> yeah. you.
0: What percentage of uh, relationships do you feel that go through an affair mm-hmm. actually survive afterwards? I know it's a uh, difficult
1: question. Yes, it's a difficult question. I would say, uh, in my experience, I would say like half and half. half, and do, half. half and and do you know? And what do you think
0: separates the, that one half from the other half?
1: The commitment to work on it. You know, it's very important to really say, uh, it's, a, it's a choice. I want to uh, understand this. I want to understand my partner. I want to, I love my partner. You know, love is very important. When there is not love, um, and I'm not talking about the passion and um, being in love. I'm talking here about the love, that consideration, that empathy, that... Um, vulnerability, mm-hmm. you know, that that you, if you are willing to feel and to learn about that in your relationship, then you are willing to work in the fear and in those feelings of, of betray. Gotcha. Um, and that is a huge difference um, because it's that shift change the dynamic of the relationship completely. And as I say, it's painful, you know, it's a very painful process, uh, but it's, is it's possible.
0: Okay. You mentioned the word delusional earlier, especially when people are first falling in love. And then you also kind of tie that into the delusion of an affair and that, again, that passion and that Mm -hmm. drive and like that lust that you feel all of a sudden. Yes. Where do you think that, well, obviously not where do you think it comes from, but um, I guess in the beginning of a relationship, how should somebody recognize that that level of passion and drive and desire for that person isn't going to always exist because I think in Hollywood there's this emotional porn that's displayed, and so a lot of us start to believe that it's going to be this fairy tale, and then you live happily ever after, and that's it. Um, but it's obvious that the passion doesn't continue. Mm-hmm. So, what do you tell somebody who starts to realize like this passion isn't there anymore? I'm lacking it. I desire it. Mm-hmm. Now what?
1: Well, that's part of the expectation, right? Yeah. Uh, so, way, you need to recreate that passion. Mm-hmm. You know, and passion has to do with the new. With the adventurous, uh, with learning uh, new things, also new new knowledge, and curiosity, and imagination, and creativity. Okay. Uh, so you have to activate all all of those um, points, you know, to really uh, start to feel the passion. Um, passion, uh, it has to do with the. I mean, you you know the the dopamine mm-hmm. right in our brain. Um, so sometimes there is a line there because us we ca- we don't want to confuse passion with um, impulsivity or compulsivity or because now then we are talking about escaping mm-hmm. escaping behaviors addiction compulsive behaviors and and i also specialize in sex addiction so that's, a <laughs> that's another topic no, oh no we we'll uh, get there, is, we'll re- we'll get get there. <laughs> um, so that's you know that is a, this really a, a fine line because in sometimes in the brain is just yes, i want that excitement And and when I'm flirting out there and uh, and when I I receive all these uh, text messages, um, um, sexting, sometimes sexting, sexting, I feel this rush, that is that rush. That is not the passion that you want to feel and create in your relationship. That's different.
0: You said it is not the passion that you want to create? It is not
1: the passion that you want to create in a relationship. Okay. No, that's even though the passion has to do with the release of dopamine, but that dopamine that you're looking with other with those uh, behaviors, not necessarily sp- is passion. You okay. know, it has to do with escaping. It has to do with not feeling because you f- you may feel inadequate. You may feel you may feel unsatisfied in your own relationship and with yourself. So, for what? No, if I'm doing this, if I'm doing that, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm looking for this, is for what? I always ask that that's question.
0: And what do people? What's usually the response? Is it because? it's a... It, does it go back to a lack of something in their own relationship so they look outside for some other source of a dopamine rush
1: that's one reason Mm -hmm. uh the other reason may be boredom um or wait sometimes it's just learned behaviors that are conscious or unconsciously uh, motivated um and sometimes it's they don't know Mm -hmm. you know sometimes and that's what of the work. Yeah. Like okay, so let's let's go into to what's happening in your in your brain, what happened in your body when this idea comes to your mind and then you can't uh control that urge and then you have to flirt and then you have to contact this person when you respond to this text.
0: Mm-hmm. I read on one of your posts that you had written about hold on let me just natural polyamory or cultural monogamy?
1: yes <laughs> and
0: i found that so interesting um because as a man and somebody else wrote um just a second ago he said when when as a man when am i gonna stop being a pig right so <laughs> i guess probably, it, never. It, it <laughs> probably never and so i've asked my friends or i've asked even as i was younger i would ask older men like hey i still feel desire for other women mm-hmm. when does this go away because i i just want to be in a monogamous relationship but Innately, I feel like I'm driven towards other people. Um, and that's frowned upon, especially mm-hmm. when you're in a relationship, obviously. So, yes. what do you say to somebody that asks you that?
1: Well, that is evolution. You know, I tell them, yes, that you are, you're right. You know, it's true. That's uh, our heart where um, men probably more than women, uh, also on, because of it. well, <laughs> <you> know, sometimes <laughs> it's evolution. You know, um, at the end, the woman chooses. Yeah.
2: That's <laughs> we, we, right.
1: have, they, we have the power to, to, to choose um, who, you know, who, who we want to, to uh, procre- with whom we, we, ho- we want to procreate. Or, you know, it's, it's evolution, it's reproduction. Um, the other part of it is the psychological part, and it's the historical, it's the social, and it's the cultural, it's the nurturing part, mm-hmm. which is this is a choice. You no, know? so I, I choose to be in a monogamous, ex- exclusive, sexual, exclusive relationship. Or um, well, I choose to be in a, monogono- in a monogamous, not sexually exclusive relationship, or I choose to live with two person, mm-hmm. you know, to have two two partners. And that is also okay. Um, now, when you have, a, when you are in a committed relationship, we want a, one more than one partner. It's very important to have clarity in rules. You know, rules, communication, uh, intimacy. What are going to be the roles? In that, in that relationship, so that is also part of, of the work that is done uh, in therapy, you know, because there may be some confusions. Um, so people, they have this as a style uh, of life, you know, they have incorporated this idea of it is okay, and and they feel great, and it's great, uh, but some of the people, they're they still learning uh, about it, so they, they want guidance, and they want orientation of what this means to me.
0: And that's just i mean i think that goes for whether you know monogamous relationship or a polyamorous yes um communication
1: yes communication people aren't
0: communicating people aren't transparent with their partner about what they're feeling inside um i think some of it is fear driven because they fear the response of that other person Mm -hmm. they maybe they fear hurting the other person Um, do you work with that a lot in terms of just helping that level of communication where it's like hey put it on the table just mm-hmm. say what you want it's yes. okay
1: yes that's the uh, how we say in spanish el, el pan uh, <laughs> yeah, it's very common to find uh, miscommunication and lack of communication in couples uh, in sessions is very very common i would say 99.99 percent wow. of the, t- of so the yeah, time co-
0: it, so you would say if you could help with communication and transparency yes that's where that's people become vulnerable and Exactly. And, the, and that stronger. is and
1: that is the part of the intimacy part. You know, intimacy is self-revelation. Mm. Um, uh, self-disclosure. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's the part that the honesty is very important. But also is how your partner responds to you. You know, so y- if I'm having these, these triggers, if I'm having these emotions I'm telling you, um, look, I want to share how my body feels right now. I feel uh, when you st- say this I felt this in my body I felt this uncomfortable feeling I'm not sure what it is or or maybe related with feeling rejected when this happens to me uh, in my past relationship or maybe uh, or maybe when my father told me this as a child so that is a triggering memory that is there mm-hmm. and I want to share this with you uh, not because it has something to do with you or with the behavior that that I know I do not want intentionally to hurt me but thank you I mean, for me it's a way that um, I want you to help me to understand this. I want you to support me uh, because I don't know what to do with these feelings that I'm having. And thank you for allowing me to share this with you at this moment. You know, and it's very important. I mean, that's it's a very vulnerable place to to disclose. Oh. Uh, this this type of emotions. So it's very important that at that moment the partner respond to that like I'm here, And listening, active listening. I hear that you say that this and this and this, and I hear that this may be related with this other sort of thing. Uh, what is that I can do for you?
2: Yeah.
0: What's the wrong answer that they get a lot of times? Instead of that, that open communication, that receptiveness, mm-hmm. that I'm listening, I'm here, what's a mistake that people shouldn't make and that they often do?
1: Um, well, you're always saying the same thing, you know, like dismissing, um, avoiding. You know, avoidance, uh, that's another, st- another, another topic there, the type of, the type of attachment they bring mm-hmm. into a relationship. Um, avoid to talk about emotions or even to recognize emotions um, because it's a way to conserve the self for those people that have an avoidance type of attachment. It mm-hmm. uh, has to do with the way they were raised and the way that they um, had their relationship with their own caregivers. If they were rejected or abandoned or neglected as a child, as a way to protect themselves, they're going to avoid, you know, the the, uh, adaptive system, the behavioral system of attachment is going to get triggered. Um, so they're going to protect themselves because they were hurt at, at some point when they were a child. So as an adult, they're going to project that into a relationship. So we don't talk about emotions here. I avoid emotions and usually the, the partner may withdraw and, uh, or may just disconnect doing something else. So that's that's one typical response that is not healthy of course.
0: So you just mentioned avoidant attachment let's look at something that's on the other end of the spectrum which is codependence. Mm-hmm. Right? Um with would you say codependent relationships are healthy? There's a lot of couples that you see that they're inseparable. Everywhere one goes you see the other and it's like no matter what if, if one is there the other's there. If one doesn't show up the other doesn't show up. Mm-hmm.
2: What's your take I
1: would say interdependency is healthy. Okay. You know, um, we share, a, I have myself, you have yourself, mm-hmm. and we can share ourselves in a third a space. Okay. Uh, and it's that third space that goes everywhere. <laughs> um, so it's very important to have a sense of autonomy and identity in your relationship. Because with the time, if, that does, it does, if you don't have that, or if you think or if you feel that your own identity is, uh, has, you know, is lost in the relationship, it will create resentment. Long, t- uh, long term, you know, um, we create resentment and that is very common also to see in relationships. Mm-hmm. After five years, 10 years, uh, they come to therapy and say I feel like I'm not myself. I feel like I don't have a voice. I feel like from the beginning I always say uh, I follow him or I follow her. And that is part of the codependency. And then we tell, you, you know, I think that we have to develop a codependency here, where it hurts me if I say something to my partner that may be helpful for my partner. So I, they also uh, come into this dynamic, like they don't talk about, they're about conflicts, they're about conflicts, or they don't talk about her- helpful things because they don't want to hurt the partner. But that is like the elephant in the room. That just creates more and more, attention. <laughs> more yeah. attention, more
0: attention until the uh, dishes aren't done, and then that blows up out of control. Exactly. But it has nothing to do with the dishes.
1: Exactly. And Actually. and that's that's the the, the, the resentment, no, mm-hmm. and and it also the disconnection there. So that reflects on the sexual part, no, like loss of desire, um, less frequent uh, in sexual intimacy. Uh, not share not sharing a lot of time together yeah. So that's is it's just invade uh, Contaminate, yeah. you know different areas in the relationship.
0: So you just touched on something I'm sure many people want to know
1: mm.
0: How much sex is too much and how much sex is too little? What's the normal amount of sex? I should be having and um yeah, th- those are probably <laughs> some of the main questions <laughs> the I main hear questions, all the time. Say. I'm not having enough sex. Mm-hmm. He wants too much sex. I never want to have sex, etc. What's normal?
1: Well, normal, you define what is normal, yeah. right? You shape your relationship. You shape your sexual life. Um, some couples start uh, very passionate at the beginning, and they have sex every day, two, mm-hmm. three, four times a day. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's just, it's just part of that uh new, uh, want to know you, and let's know that, that passion that they feel, and after that, fade away. Just the chemicals in your brain that fade away. And it becomes once a week, you know, or twice a week, and uh, after the kids, and after the, the, the stress, mm-hmm. the work, um, or sometimes it's just the uh, differences in the, you know, in gender, like uh, what is the energy that you're bringing into a relationship? the relationship, the feminine energy, the masculine energy, not, tot- not talking about gender. Of course, there is a socialization of gender there in men and women, and also there is um, some genetics, hardware uh, that uh, make a difference in the sexual desire for men and for women, um, together with the socialization as well. So it really depends of the dynamic of the relationship. You know, um, if there is codependency or is this, uh, we are always, 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 always together after 10 years, you know, where is the, the eroticism there? What is the excitement? Mm-hmm. And and desire has to do with, with that, with the with that imagination. So if you don't use your imagination to create the, the passion and to create that closeness in the relationship, what is left there? You know, it, what is left is every day. The routine, the stress is a huge, huge, like uh, component that against libido against sexual desire and the motiva- motivation, Motivation. Mm-hmm. We we're talking about how, mod- how people are motivated to have intimacy in their relationship. If sexual desire or sex comes from a, a wellness uh, perspective, you know, if you feel good with yourself and you feel satisfied, you feel relaxed, and you feel like on the clouds, mm-hmm. you're open to have sex oh. and intimacy. Mm-hmm. If you feel like in the survival mode, oh, I have to do this, I have to do that, and the traffic, uh, these people are so you' going to well, there's not going to be room there to have a sexual space or a sexual intimacy. So the context, which is um, how your brain feels you know, that internal state of your brain and the outside also the situation is very important to create that intimate space. More important for women or for men, that uh, research has found out that that is uh, 80% of the women they, they are context dependent. And while men is, is, you know, they're more th- spontaneous. They, they may feel more the spontaneous desire. Now, sex is not natural. You know, this idea of uh, I don't know why I don't feel, you know, the desire, if I used to feel the desire like at the beginning mm-hmm. with my partner. You know, I said, well, you're not going to feel the desire in a, a spontaneous way it doesn't come naturally for you now with your partner. Uh, because all these things that I have mentioned before, the stress, the routine, if you eat rice and beans every day, some folks are going to tell me, Jasmine, yeah, I that's it. You know. That yeah. <laughs> you don't want, I don't want that. Put some spicy here, please, so, or something else. Yeah. It's the same thing with, with sex. So in that way, it's not going to come naturally. You know, naturally, you're not going to want to eat more rice and beans. You want, you have to create something. You so, have to be creative. So
0: missionary every time is not good.
1: It depends, you know. <laughs> you can use mission. You can use so many. I mean, use a missionary and add some things That's there. A, a little spice, a little seasoning, <laughs> a little goya, <laughs> a sazon
0: completa. See. <laughs> okay. So um, why? So it's it's so interesting to sit here with you and just talk so openly about sex, right? And our society, even in the office space, right? why is sex so taboo we all have it we all want it we all need it we need it for reproduction mm-hmm. why is it so taboo
1: uh shame i mean the religion you know that i said uh, this core belief that uh, masturbation is bad mm-hmm. self pressuring is bad pleasure is bad <laughs> per se um, touching, touching yourself is bad. Um, so it is taboo because of history. I think it, it is taboo because of the Victorian era. Um, I do believe that, yes, there is some part of, of religion. There are beliefs that has been taken to the stream um, to control, to regulate, Um, You know, and that's maybe political or something. But um, that's that's another story. (laughs) Well, you mentioned
0: pleasure and self-pleasure. And this is where I'm going to segue into pornography. Mm -hmm. Pornography is at our fingertips, right? Anybody anybody has access. Mm -hmm. Um, What's your opinion on pornography?
1: Um, I don't think pornography is unhealthy uh, unless it is compulsive. Okay. No, So uh, pornography can... Be um and this is
0: extremely controversial right now because there's a lot of people coming out talking about human sex trafficking stuff yes. like that. But we're just talking about pornography as it is to to yes. see it, not whatever goes on behind the scenes. Yes, uh,
1: adult uh, pornography. Oh, adult yes, yeah. no adult entertainment exactly. Um, the, uh, the 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 downside of pornography is that teenagers, uh, pre-adolescent, hmm. nine, ten, or even Earlier. I mean a uh, younger kids. My
0: daughter's twelve. Think we
1: have <laughs> <Joker kids>. well <laughs> I'm sure that she can teach you more about that what you're ready. Breathe. Breathe. Let's, breathe. Let's <laughs> breathe.
0: Breathe, breathe. <laughs> wrap it up. No, it's funny because I had my friend Joe on here recently mm-hmm. and it's a question I've asked a lot of people is um have you talked to your ch- like my daughter's twelve. I've sat her and her cousin Emily down and said what do you guys know about sex right. and
1: they told you oh no,
0: they're very avoidant
1: at this time now yeah <laughs> they don't want
0: to hear it and i'm like listen it's either it. you talk to me about it or some random and this is what i told joe i said joe mm-hmm. either you talk to your daughter about sex or your wife talks to your daughter about sex or some kid in school is going to walk up with porn hug on his phone and just be like hey look at this yes do you want to try it
1: yes and i think the most important to teach kids about sex is safety and consent you okay. know that's that's the first thing. Uh, what what, I, what is safety sex and and what is consent? Like maybe is is no. You know like if you say no with the head or yes with the head, that is a still a no. Mm-hmm. You need to say yes, I want to be touched. Yes, I want to kiss you. Mm-hmm. you no, know, that is very important. And that is a huge problem also because teenagers say no, but if you you know if you accept a kiss. Or if you accept that the, you know the he he told you to hear so that means that you accept the rest. No. No, a kiss is just a kiss. It doesn't mean that you want sex. Yeah. So that's that part of education is very important. What is private, what is public. Mm. You know, now with internet uh pictures, right? There is a lot of teenagers that they exchange uh pictures of themselves. They they don't know that what is out there is out there. You can't that's get back? it is you can get it back. You no, know, so where the picture goes to your friend, to your boyfriend? No, it goes to a a, a red. You know, like a online <laughs> word, that the e-word, electronic mm-hmm. word that you don't know what is that picture. So that's part of the education also of the parents. I think know. those are
0: three great points: safety, consent, and privacy. And privacy. I think those are definitely that's some good guidance for parents to pay attention
1: to. Yes, and just you, you you can start from from you know from there. Um, and after you can open the door to other things like, uh, you know, pleasure, uh, orgasm, safe sex, you know, even though- I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> no, no, you don't have to, you know, <laughs> you don't have to. It's you, it's <laughs> in
0: your
1: people. Uh, you don't have to, uh, but you can create a safe uh, space that, that, that I talked to you about, you can ask me anything, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, just watching a movie, or watching uh, a series, like, uh, it creates an opportunity for you to talk about these things. Okay. You know? And sometimes they ask questions, or sometimes they make comments. Oh, I heard that the school, this and this and that. Oh, I heard that uh, that girl, this and this and that. Um, so that's an opportunity. Ah, yeah, so what do you think about it? Okay, so let me tell you. And then you provide that piece of education. Okay. You don't have to talk about everything. Mm-hmm. They don't want to know everything. You know, and and they will ask when they feel they need to ask. Now, when they ask, answer. Of course. Because if not, they will go to, Doctor Google. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Uh, and Google will take them to um, pornography, and then they will learn all these distorted. Um, they will have all these distorted beliefs and thoughts about. Uh, about, the what about what is sex? Mm-hmm. You know, that is not real.
2: Gotcha.
0: And so, from pornography, wh- how do you feel about people, adults, using pornography as foreplay?
1: I think it's great as as long as it's you know safe and consent in their relationship, and they use it for the relationship, or even if they don't have a partner, um, that like a recreational use, always being very aware that that's not the only way of getting the pleasure, mm-hmm. because the downside is. The compulsion is that uh, the disconnection with yourself, because then your brain learns that this is the only type of stimulation that I'm getting here. That's what I was gonna get at. Mm-hmm. Yes, and this almost becomes like automatic. Mm-hmm. So if I don't get this type of a stimulation, and I men, they're very visual, uh, different from, from a woman. If I don't get this type of stimulation, then when I am with a real person, there's no, know, arousal. There is no arousal. Mm-hmm. There's no arousal. And then that affects your sexual response. Because you're not going to have even the same level of intensity of arousal that you feel p- with pornography. You're not going to have that sense of connection or intimacy. And then, t- well, then they call me. <laughs> they yeah, that's what I was, I was about <laughs> to ask you, me. how do you
0: work with somebody who has a porn addiction mm-hmm. who's extremely aroused by pornography, but then they try to become intimate with a partner, and all of a sudden, yeah. there's no blood flow.
1: Yes. They have to change all of that in their brain. You know, the the first thing that they need to do is to stop watching pornography. You know, and to relearn new ways of uh, getting aroused. And they can start. Th- there are men that they tell me uh, I cannot uh, get aroused without watching pornography. You know, I cannot use uh, like my my imagination. I cannot use images of my partner or images of previous relationship. Um, and that it may become a problem. You know, you want to, to know how you can turn yourself on, not only with the use of pornography, mm-hmm. and that's a, one of the things that I work with in, in session with them. You know, what else there? There is an, a spectrum of turns on. What else is there for you?
0: And do you feel like that's gotten worse because we have it so accessible that that impulsive behavior just drives a person to look at pornography, to then get turned on, to then have sex, or to then pleasure themselves?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, availability is one factor that is a trigger, and also uh, the stimulation, right? The amount of stimulation and the normalization of pornography. Uh, you don't have to pay to watch pornography now. Mm-hmm. You know, they, um, it's, as you say, it's just a click, okay. and, and it's there. Um, and then you have the music, you know, and then you have the the, the music videos, yeah. <laughs> and then you have all this type of stimulation around you, and then you have the social media, you know, you have Instagram, and you have Facebook, and you have these apps that, um, you know, it's not anything against those things. I think it's great that people can do online dating, and they, you know, they can create friendship and partners and relationships and, and a family from, from that. Um, but the downside is that is like how, going to, how I can learn to navigate the E world without sabotaging you know, intimacy, without sabotaging your sense of self.
2: Of course.
1: I think that that is, you know, it's, it's, it's consciousness, it's awareness. Go to the E world, but always with a sense of awareness of who you are in that world and who are also the people that are around you.
0: And I think a lot of us um, have lost ourselves sometimes when we get so involved with, like you're saying, the e-world, um, but then we're losing sight of the people who are right around us and that level of intimacy and just human connection. Um, it's really weird nice. when I look at my daughter. Sh- my daughter doesn't even have a cell phone. And I always tell this to people. My daughter doesn't have a cell phone. She's 12 years old. But if you put on TikTok, she knows all the songs from TikTok. Mm-hmm. She knows all the dances from TikTok. Why? because even though kids the way that they hang out now is so different than it was before now they sit in a circle and they all stare at their phones yes so they sit staring at over each other's shoulders mm-hmm. so it's 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 a lot that they're taking in from that world it's, it's a lot, lot of information it's a ton of information um
1: yes. and, and that's why you know we can regulate that from the outside as parents uh, but also we can't really tell them don't look at it, of course. you know. They need some type uh, of exposure uh, to really be able to make decisions by themselves. Because at the end, what you want them to do is t- really to make decisions, to say, okay, this is the truck and this is me. I can't take it, I can decide to take it or not.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, and and sometimes, you know, I also, um, I'm a, I, uh, I have a 15 years old, and sometimes we walk down the street on Miami Beach, you know, and you smell. You smell the, 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 the marijuana.
0: Yeah, my daughter calls it the devil's spinach. The
1: devil's <laughs> <Okay. laughs> <laughs> and, and she knows, you yeah. know, and, uh, and the first time that it happened, I told her, you know, that's, that's the smell of a drop of yeah. marijuana. So now you know that when you smell that, you know what it is, yeah. you know, and you may know in what environment you are, and people, don't, and pe- the students, they do that on the, on the school, you know, they do the vaping, and you know, she, she tells me all the story, or well, everything that mm-hmm. happened there. Uh, I mean, there's stories and stories, things that happen in the school that are uh, out of, sometimes of, of, you know, common sense. Um, so she knows, you know, so, so she can say, well, you know, this is something that I'm not, I don't I don't want to do I don't like it you know so so I think it's important for them to have some some exposure there are of of the of the danger or what is can, what can be unsafe
0: of course yeah because I think a lot of parents what they want to do is they want to put their kids in a bubble yes and protect them mm-hmm. like and I could say look with my daughter in, in a sense I've put her in a bubble where she doesn't have a phone but more so it's because I want her to be able to connect with the world around her and be more social but I know very well she's gonna have a phone. Yes. And I'm still gonna teach yeah, her as Charlie. we go. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. But I just, right now, I wanna limit that exposure. But I think it's really important that we, that we constantly educate our kids and talk to them about the world that's going on around them. Whether it's good, bad, or ugly, it doesn't matter. Whether it's poverty, racism, drugs, sex, these are hard conversations to have with the kids. Yes, for sure. But I, I feel that they're so necessary. And so many parents are avoiding those conversations thinking that that's protecting them. When really I, I think it's it they're gonna get exposed to it in, in a different way that's not gonna be healthy for them.
1: Yes, that's completely true. And and you know, that gets posing that get as exposure in a school and through their friends and and through other groups that are close to, to them or to their friends. Um, and now the, the opening, you know, in the, in the schools, uh, and, and th- there is there are rules, but now there is a, a diversity of of people in the school, you know, and they're talking about well, you know, transgenders is normal now, you know. That before there was uh, a lot of um, restrictions or of repression. Fortunately, now we're embracing a diversity. And they are exposed to that diversity, and it's great because there is no bullying anymore. least I'm talking from my own experience. There is no bullying anymore if you identify as, you know, transgender uh, or non-binary or (laughs) or non-binary. I think we're
0: trying to. Didn't Florida just pass a law recently saying that it's almost like the the old military rule: "Don't ask, don't tell," uh, or they're not going to talk about, they're not going to mention the word "gay" in curriculum or. Or just talk about sexuality. I think that recently just passed.
1: Well am I, right, from, am I, I mean from the from the educational point, we're still in Pampers.
2: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
1: yes. I mean in the school I remember when my, my daughter told me, Can you sign this release here so they can talk to me about the en- endocrinology system? Your what?
2: <laughs> Seriously?
1: Yeah, exactly. Seriously? JJ's yes, is yes, going to talk to me about this. Um, and what about that? I'm going to talk to you about orgasm, pleasure, you know, <laughs> sex.
0: <laughs> I remember watching a video on sex when I was in sixth grade Um, mm-hmm. for, what do they call it? It was just sex education. My mom had to sign a waiver so I could sit in that class. But it was almost a, the way that they showed sex occurring was in a, it was a camera that showed heat. So you saw the two silhouettes of people and heat. And then you saw the blood flow to the penis. And then you saw it insert into the vagina. And I was like, oh, that's pretty vivid. <laughs> I don't think they're showing those videos anymore. No, no, no. And then they I went on to so. show the reproduction, like how the semen, um, you know, reaches the ovary. Uh, mm-hmm. They talked about ovulation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they took you through the whole birth cycle. So they tied everything together. If we're not yeah. talking about this is the reason that we're alive right now.
1: Yes, yes. And, and they talk more about that, reproduction mm-hmm. uh, in high school, um, not in middle school or no anything, knows. just in high school, but they don't talk about pornography, mm. you know, and in high school you already are exposed to pornography, plenty, uh, plenty. Sure. and orgasm, and masturbation, mm-hmm. what happened with masturbation, 13 years old, you know, what, what, what's going on with the wet dreams, yeah. <laughs> and, and who's teaching you that, you know, who's giving you that, that portion there? And and it's very shameful, really, for the kid to have a wet dream, for example, and to not know what is that. It's very shameful for the kid to um, uh, have an erection, you know, and in the middle of whatever in the classroom, not with the intention of having having an Mm -hmm. erection, not thinking about sex, not thinking of anything that stimulates the brain. But the child is having an erection because we know that at that age, the testosterone is... Um, is when it really gets uh, liberated mm-hmm. in your brain and in your body. And so what happened with that kid there? You know, who is teaching that kid, this is why you are having an erection now. And it's not because you want it, you do it, you intentionally you want to hurt. No, it's, just, it's a physiological response in your body. In the school, they don't talk about that
0: nobody ever talked to me about that <laughs> it was like uh just stay sitting down until it goes away and then <laughs> and you can go go back to playing football but until then like you're done
1: exactly which exactly. it is it is it shameful, it is shameful. It is. you don't
0: you don't have control you don't know what's going on
1: exactly exactly so yes that is a huge i mean let's say they were still in pampers when it comes to 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 education um and it's so important it's really so important
0: you mentioned earlier you uh, about social media Mm-hmm. Um, and actually had ran a couple of questions and one of them was about um apps like bumble or tinder mm-hmm. do you feel do you feel that these apps have made us more dispensable in terms of relationships because i feel that it's so crazy when you look at these apps and you just start swiping through and then you meet this girl and you like her a lot but then problems arise mm-hmm. and you're like ah eh. I'm gonna go back to that app and just start swiping again and I'll find another one. And I'll find another one.
1: Yes. What's, very, what's your opinion on that? Very common, very common. I have a, a lot of clients that they do that, or people that I know, not only clients that they do that. Um, it's a overstimulation, right? So you have a lot of options. So if you have an option and this option is not enough, then you look for the next option. Mm-hmm. But then when is enough? You know, when you're going to say, okay, I'm going to stop here, I'm going to really, 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 really take the time to get to know this person
2: mm-hmm.
1: and see what happened.
2: Yeah.
1: But then your brain doesn't, is not processing the information that way because the next one is just there. You know, the next swipe is there yeah, waiting it's for Bradley
0: you. Hits, it's right there.
1: It's right there. So that may become a problem in terms of, of connection and giving yourself that time to really get to know that person. Anxiety, you know, anxiety kicks in, right? And, and anxiety is related with fear, fear of intimacy, fear of feeling bu- of being vulnerable, and then uh, the disconnection, right? The disconnection with yourself. Um, that, that, uh, that I would say would be the downside of uh, modern. Uh, dating, right, of modern dating, Um, but it has a lot of positive things, you know, like uh, it's an opportunity to learn how to regulate yourself, like I'm going to do two or three dates, you know, I'm going to talk, I'm going to have two or three conversations, that's it, that's the goal, two or three conversations, and uh, I may go out with one person. You know, and then I'm going to take my time if I really feel the connection there or if I feel that we can match. I'm going to take my time to get to know that person. One month, two months. Maybe I decide not to have sex right away. You know, maybe I decide to give myself a little bit time to get uh, to know that person. And that is a process. And maybe after two months I realize that that is not really that person. Well, you can come back. But really like like... Not being a rush is what I say, you know. Mm-hmm. Online dating, sometimes people they are in the rush because um, because I want to find the the person, you know, it's right there. And, and if this is not one, I'm sure that the next one is going to be. And then you get trapped, your brain gets trapped into that cycle, and and that has to do with a lot with the rush of dopamine, mm-hmm. right? that rush of dopamine and they get attention. Now you are getting attention from from other people. Um, but that's also the self-esteem issues there. <laughs> why, why, <laughs> do you say,
0: why do you say self-esteem issues?
1: Self-esteem because if you don't, uh, if you feel insecure, you know, and you don't value yourself, or you, have, and uh, you don't have an adequate self-esteem, um, that can affect the dating process. You know, uh, because then you are doing all this because you are getting attention to feed your self-esteem. You know, you're getting mm-hmm. attracted by other people, and of that course. that's a way to reinforce your self-esteem, but you're coming from a lack, a place of lacking. Yeah. So you're looking uh,
0: for all external validation, just you're to tell for yourself that I'm worthy, exactly. uh, people desire me, look uh, look at this attention that I'm getting, but it's not it's something not that they the feel from within. Exactly.
1: And I think that s- at some point, you know, it it's, it's becomes in an in unhealthy uh, pattern, because when you want to be outside in the world, in the dating world, you really want to feel fulfilled. You know, I am all of this and who wants to come with me? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you have to feel it first from within. You have to feel it first and within. Then, and then,
0: like, okay, the people who you bring around you only strengthen that even more versus you depending on everybody outside of you to, to try to fulfill you because you're going to end up falling real short because yes. eventually the people around you aren't always going to feed you. Mm-hmm. right you need to have that from within first that's so important how do you instill that in somebody who doesn't feel that internal validation from themselves
1: well i create that you know i create a, how do you see yourself what is that you value of yourself and sometimes they don't they don't have anything to say and this is a well this is connected with previous histories and trauma. Know, not big things like trauma, lab, abuse, mm-hmm. uh, but sometimes there is a neglect from parents. Uh, or bullying, you know, bullying in the school that affects the self esteem. Absolutely. So that adult uh, now uh, has a negative core belief on the self. I'm not good enough, I'm a failure, I'm not capable. Um, and that is what is there feeding the this type of emotions of insecurity mm-hmm. um, and that uh, inhibit really the. the the moving forward, you know, inhibit the, I am a whole, and I can contain myself. Yeah. You know, and, and we I work a lot with, with that, you know. Uh, what parts of yourself you accept, even though they're faulty, you know, we all have faulty parts, weakness and strengths, and that is okay, and I think it's important to accept yourself as a whole, with everything that is there, so when you are going to d- online dating or dating or relationships, you know what is there, you know, and then you you can be honest with yourself and say this is me, you know, and the ideal self <laughs> of me that uh, maybe the, p- the partner wants to create or maybe the partner wants to it may be it may help at the beginning, you know, this part of this illusion. Yeah. Um, But it's also very important to be aware that uh, um, and also this and this and this. Absolutely. So you can work with the truth.
0: Yeah, I I think that was something I I learned when I was single for a while was I had to say, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. And let me make sure that I put that on the table because I don't want to give a a, a false depiction of, of who I am and present this wonderful package when I know underneath that There's some shitty situations, right? There's some Mm -hmm. things that aren't so pretty. And I think people are fearful of that because I think it goes back to a fear of rejection and seeking that external validation. I think we have to be real with ourselves and look at the mirror and be able to say, hey, I'm not perfect. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you're not perfect either. Mm -hmm. But let me be real and honest with you. And I think that's where the real relationships come in. Yes.
1: Yes. That's that's exactly what it is. That's I like that. Um. And to to arrive to that point, you have to really be very very aware. You know, um, and it's a process of self knowledge, and it's an ongoing process as well. You know, you're going to have one experience, one relationship. After you're going to have another another experience, you're going. You know, you're going to separate. You're going to get divorced. Mm-hmm. There is no shame on that. Yeah. I mean, that I I see like a, a an amazing learning experience and a, a opportunity to know more about yourself to know more about what you really want in in your life and it's part of your journey Mm -hmm. it's really part of your journey
0: yeah that sense of shame when something ends Mm -hmm. i I Mm -hmm. remember the sense of shame that i felt um when when i became a single father Mm -hmm. and i felt not only that i had failed the relationship but i had failed my daughter because i was always brought up with this with this illusion of how the family must remain together Mm -hmm. and it was really hard it was really hard and i just kept telling myself that i was like i was not good enough and i was why why did i fail my daughter and it took a lot of time it took some therapy to kind of rebuild myself to realize i'm still a good father i'm still an amazing father i -hmm. still have love for my daughter i'm still whole Mm -hmm. and this is just part of that journey this didn't work and that's okay i can come back And I think a lot of people miss that. A lot of people allow that failure to consume them. And it's like this, it's almost like a. Well, I know people who never got back into another relationship as a result of one relationship failing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And thank you for sharing. Yeah, uh, no, of course. Thank you for this sharing. Is that. <laughs> this is not therapy. This track, is not therapy, but I love when people are that honest. <laughs> oh, yeah. No,
0: I'd rather be honest. Um, I mean, how else are people going to learn from me? Why, why am I doing this right now? Yes. It's to bring these things to light. And if yes. I can't be vulnerable, I really mm-hmm. don't care who listens. Yeah. I don't care if it's one person listening, but I know it's going to land on somebody's ears. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you get the same thing. My DMs, I always tell people, you don't want to read my DMs. My <laughs> DMs are not exciting. They're not people <laughs> trying to go on dates with me or have drinks. They're people who are talking to me about their life oh, issues and what that. they're going through. Yes. And a lot of times, those life issues have a lot of shame
2: mm-hmm, where
0: mm-hmm. they are just isolated and alone. And when they reach out to me, it's because they haven't reached out to anybody else. Yes. oh it's okay oh no that's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that, that's <laughs> it no, I that's don't know it. why I had this it's <laughs> the first time that anybody's phone has gone off in the middle of the podcast <laughs>
1: no. no I think that's very important to be vulnerable yeah. to open t- uh, that door and to invite others to be vulnerable, vulnerable with you I mean that is so so important yeah. so they can feel safe as N- well
0: my philosophy is that there's strength and vulnerability yes because if I sure. can't if I'm not willing to expose myself then I'm giving that thing power over me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have power over me. Yeah. And that's
1: that's very powerful yeah, what you just said. Definitely. That's great. Thank so you. yes, guilt and and the failure, uh, you know, the sense of, of failing that also confronts from society, right? Like you have you should be. Should 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 that and the and the should is, is just from the external like, uh, what you what you got to what you have to gain externally. Um so if I don't have it, then I know are not enough, no, and that come from from expectations and probably you know critics from your parents, uh, critics from society, um, critics from that that teacher from the school, and and in a sense, you know we are all we are all exposed to 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 different messages uh, from society, so it's very important to recognize those messages. You know what is the voice And what that voice is telling you inside your your head. Like it is that voice telling you, oh, watch out because, you know, you cannot trust anybody. (laughs) That's a good Uh, one. There's people don't be careful. You can't trust anybody. Everybody's Mm
0: -hmm. out to get you, right?
1: Yes. That's that's a very common one. (laughs) What are some,
0: actually, that's good. What are Mm -hmm. some other things that society or that people kind of internalize and then it it becomes part of what we call cognitive distortions where they have these false beliefs of the world around them?
1: Yeah. Always, never, you know, um, I always want to be rejected. Um, they, uh, they are not good enough. It's very common.
0: I'm never going to find somebody who loves me the way that person w- does.
1: Yes, that's that's also very that's common. A one, yeah. That's a huge one. Uh, or I always attract the bad guys, you know. Yeah, I've heard that one a lot. So <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, or um, I'm not worth it because nobody's there to love me. No, that is that is a uh, oh. yes, very deep uh, sense of um, the sense of abandonment, no, of, of that of that person, like growing up. Um, I am unloved. Um, the failure is very important. You know, I will never be capable of. I will never be able to uh, achieve this or to have this or to have a family. You know, for the woman there. Uh, the biological clock is ticking. Of no, course. like I will never be able to have a family. And 42 years old, and I cannot find a partner. Uh so therefore, I am unloved or I am unworthy.
0: Yeah, and that first thing, that societal expectation, doesn't just doesn't say that you're unloved or unworthy. You can still find love, mm-hmm. even though there's this part of your life that just didn't happen for whatever reasons.
1: Yes, and, and that is the, the that inner voice, as you say, this internalized uh, message that is there. That is, is very very difficult sometimes just to switch off, because it's like ingrained yeah. in your in your nervous system, there in your brain, yeah. and 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 it's difficult. I of mean, you know, sometimes it needs some some uh, deeper work there, like trauma work, sometimes. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and this isn't really related, but it does have to do with self-talk. That I've been I, I've been working out with people for a long time, whether it's in group settings or just partners, and when you're really pushing people to a limit, um, and I I heard it just yesterday, and I've been hearing it a lot more. This negative self-talk surfaces, mm-hmm. and it's either like during the workout or after the workout, where they either tell themselves, "I didn't do good enough, man, I suck, man, I'm out of shape, um, I can't," and it's so interesting that the, I, I wonder. I would love to do a study or or just look at this a little bit deeper as we're talking about it I'm Mm -hmm. thinking about it Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's a depiction of other areas of their life where that same self-talk that exists in that middle of that workout that's really tough and grueling and they start that negative voice starts creeping in I wonder if for those people that negative voice creeps into other areas of their
1: life Mm, probably uh, but that also depends on the results you know if they are very successful at work Okay. Uh they they're not going to have that voice there, you know, because they feel confident. Yeah. So and you think it's uh, just
0: related to that context? It,
1: it may be related with, with one context. Okay. Yes, um, because I do believe that you know it's like trust. Like in a, in a relationship, we say, well, you say that you don't trust him or her, but all of it, or maybe you don't trust him as a partner, but you trust him as a father. Mm. You know. Uh, I think it's the same, like, you don't feel good enough here, in this area, when it comes to relationship, uh, or when it comes to work, or in all areas uh, in your life.
0: Gotcha. So Mm -hmm. yes, success in one area of your life can eventually translate to the other ones.
1: And not, because you can be a very successful businessman, Mm -hmm. but you don't feel successful in relationships or dating. You know, and then in that area, you feel, like, not confident at all. And not with the the adequate self-esteem. Yeah. You know, and you struggle with that.
0: But shouldn't what we call self-efficacy, that belief of our ability to accomplish something, right? Shouldn't that translate?
1: But it doesn't translate uh, uh, sometimes, you know? And that's part of the work in therapy, okay? That's part of the work, like... When you sit in that office, mm-hmm. you know, and you have your employees and, and you delegate and you're assertive and you are assertive and you say, I want this, I want that. And and you, you know, you have achieved all these goals. What do you think about yourself? Oh, I feel like a, I'm the owner of the world. Yeah. Great. So let's go to take that, feel it inside you. Let's go to take that when it comes to sitting in the same chair thinking of i want to uh, to have a partner that that really uh, loves me and that uh, can create intimacy with me or that you are going to go in the online dating or the, the dating scene feeling that you are that person like you are the the you own the world when you go when you go outside and they sometimes they, they can't be and themselves uh, that way because they feel judged or they feel like what if this what if uh, but what if if i don't say the right thing but what if is uh I'm not attractive enough <laughs> yeah. um
0: i had a friend recently who kept giving me his phone he was talking to a girl on bumble he's like here adrian reply to her here and i'm like what's wrong with you just tell her whatever you're thinking what he felt like that it was like make or break in those yeah. three words i'm like Dude, she's attracted to you. She's writing to you. Just write whatever you mm-hmm. think. And if she doesn't mm-hmm. like what you're writing, then just go somewhere well, else. It's not yes. a big <laughs> deal. But he, it was so interesting that he was so concerned mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. every response. And I would write back stupid things just to see. And I'm like, look, she's responding and she still likes you. And I just put something I would have never written myself.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that that, that insecurity, yeah. you know, uh, sometimes is reflected in that area and not in the in the work area, mm. for example, or friendship. Yeah, I can right? see that. Uh, so yes, is is uh, I have seen that, you know, a compartmentalization of of beliefs, co-beliefs, and and feelings. Gotcha. Okay. But you can use want to you know to use to it as a therapeutic tool to start to build those things in the other one yeah because
0: you could tell them oh this was difficult for you you've succeeded at this this is now difficult for you you could still succeed at this exactly awesome 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 let me oh please
2: do you think that sometimes it's an overcompensation for an area they're lacking like if they're not good at relationships that they're really good like you said at work Mm Could it be that they're trying to overcompensate for the areas they're
1: not good in? For sure, if they are um, if they feel successful in one area that can help with their self esteem, with the overall self esteem. Um, and it can be, you know, compensation is a is a defense mechanism. It's a way to protect yourself. Um, so yes, it can it can have that functionality of well at least I have this. Yeah. You know, if at you least Yes, exactly, so, um, but that's unconscious, you know, uh, of course, people they are not yeah. thinking, that's yes, that's okay. is, that is more like an unconscious uh, projection of, of the self, um, and, and you know, you just you have the, the successful people that they, they want to prove themselves that they can get there, mm-hmm. um, and they have an amazing careers, you know, because, and sometimes they decide that from very early age. I mean teenagers or five or, or ten, eleven years old they say, I want this, I don't want this. Mm-hmm. And that is the energy, you know, and the and the, the visualization and they have an amazing careers. Um but then sometimes, you know, they disconnect from the emotional part, from the relationship part and um, and that's when when therapy is very helpful. Yeah. It's
2: like oh I never thought about how to do this area of life. I've always
1: been focused on this. Exactly. Right. I'm gonna ask you some questions.
0: So oh. We need a camera and the lights back there for the back of the room. <laughs> yeah. So that way, you know, and a mic. <laughs> Only for the days that we have sex therapists. Otherwise, the otherwise it's empty. It's back back empty. There. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, nobody shows up. Nobody else is interested. But we talk about sex in the office. was like, oh, yeah, we're just going to go do Instagram yeah. live in the back of the room. Live. And we lies. have the door closed. We yeah. open the door <laughs> yeah. and I'm sure there
1: will be more people.
0: <laughs> so um, let's see. I'm just going to ask some questions. Uh, is it true that casual sex with strangers correlates with low self-esteem?
1: Not really. Not always. Not always. Uh, it's a choice. You know, you can choose. I don't want a committed relationship right now. I just want casual sex and I know, you know, about safety, protection, uh, disclosure of, of, uh, of anything. Um, but don't doesn't have to be... It's, it's just an a stage in your life you know, of exploration, of knowledge, of pleasure. <laughs> uh, and that's it, you know. And after, uh, what usually happens is when, when you explore that, that stage, you know, you mature. Like that stage will lead you to go into the next stage. Like maybe like, well, now I already experienced that. It felt great. It felt good. I, I, I had some amazing experience. And I learned some amazing things. I now uh, maybe I want, like I committed a relationship maybe i want to create uh some other type of intimacy casual sex can be intimate as well not because they're casual they're not intimate not all the time but mm. sometimes they can get very intimate
0: gotcha and wh- and w- okay so what happens when there's you think you're having casual sex mm-hmm. and then over time something develops maybe for just one person or for both what is that about
1: but that, that's why it has to be very clear from the beginning mm. You know, honesty, like. Honesty, transparency. Honest transparency, communication. Mm -hmm. Yes, expectations. You know, this is what I want and this is what I don't want. Now, maybe one year, but now, this is what I want.
0: And that's something that has to be continuously communicated because it might be you say that to the person now and they need to hear it again three weeks from now because you start seeing them get attached. Yes, exactly. And they start having more expectations for what you guys have. And you might think this is extremely casual but then you realize that person is starting to become emotionally involved and invested
1: yeah and it happens yeah you know and yeah. it happens and then you may feel guilty because that is happening um, and that's when you need to be transparent with that person and really honest because it's not that you're not going to hurt the person by not being transparent you are hurting already the person
0: that's what people need to know
1: that's what people need to know
0: is the lack of transparency is what's. What ends up hurting people a lot more than just saying what it is you're feeling and experiencing? Yes. Because that person's completely in the dark. And then all of a sudden, it comes out at the wrong time. Yes. It's that volcano that explodes, and then that person feels hurt.
1: Yes. And, and it's a way to honor that relationship, yeah. even if it's a casual relationship. You know, you're not ghosting, you're not manipulating. Hmm. Just ghosting
0: and manipulating ha- are so common huh very common and then that person feels abandoned lost confused there's no closure mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. f- just trying to pick up the pieces and find answers
1: yes especially if it's a person with an anxious attachment you know like they, they feel insecure and they feel that what you just mentioned mm-hmm. um if they come from a secure place they understand it you know they get it they understand it that they don't get attached to that um, so ro- it also depends on, on what, uh, how the person attached to that other person you know, mm-hmm. how clear for that person um, the, 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 the relationship that they're having
0: it's crazy that these are all such hard topics as adults mm-hmm. that you're never exposed to until they actually happen yes. right? how do I talk to somebody about ending a relationship how do I communicate my feelings to somebody else when it might hurt that person we're never taught this
1: Mm -hmm. I think part of that is embracing the reality and owning that yes, it's going to be hurtful and it's going to be painful. And that's part of it. You know, uh, society like don't teach you or teach you, (laughs) teaches you like, oh, don't feel don't, you know, pain, no, it's bad to have pain, it's feel comfortable to have pain. Well, pain is part of, of life, pain is part of love. Uh, death is part of life. I mm. mean, it's, it's I know it may sound cruel, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's the reality, yeah. you know. And, and that is, is probably one we need to open more the eyes of saying, I know this is hurtful and uh, this is painful. I was no, I didn't have the, I d- didn't have the intention of, of um, for you to feel in that way, you know. But this is how I feel and this is how I think. And sometimes you don't really need to do the whole speech, right? Because the whole speech comes from the cognitive mentality and sometimes from that survival mode. Sometimes you just need to sit there and to allow yourself to feel and to have all those emotions and just to let yourself, just to feel it. And when the other person sees how you're feeling that, you know, the, the, that emp- that empathy and that vulnerability and if the person, you know, has that also emotional connection, that's it. You know, they, they can understand it. They, they can get it. They can get what is what is really going on there. Because what you don't want is to be half loved. <laughs> mm. you yeah, know,
0: because it is half loved.
1: Because that is like half loved. Yeah. Yes. Yeah,
0: because you're not, you, you don't really know what's going on. Exactly. You're blind to it. Yes. Okay. Yes. Another question. They just put, toys and then the picture of an eggplant emoji i don't know what that's about <laughs> i don't know toys, what that what does toys, that mean sex toys i'm assuming <laughs> and egg and vegetables of some sort
1: <laughs> okay you, well um, just just put the condom on the vegetable <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> so it can be uh, safe and no anal no anal because uh, you can end up in the hospital <laughs> that's true actually we just had a
0: whole conversation where I called my girlfriend to ask her. They were all worried about this phone call because they were like, your girlfriend's going to ask, why are you guys talking about what's getting stuck in people's anuses? Because she (laughs) she was an ER nurse before. Mm -hmm. And I called her. I was like, hey, so what's the weirdest? You're on speakerphone right now. All the girls are here in the office. What's the weirdest thing that you've seen stuck (laughs) in somebody's anus? And she just started going off on a list.
1: At least, (laughs) I'm sure. It's
0: terrible. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> ha- these questions are <laughs> have they seen marriages with two virgins in this generation, general thoughts? I mean I'm sure there have been.
1: With uh, two generations?
0: No no. no. Yeah. have and So in this generation right mm-hmm. now, are there do marriages still exist with two virgins?: No, uh, The answer is no. <laughs> uh, we'll move on. <laughs> Why do men feel entitled to sex?
1: Mm, okay, so that is uh, I like that question. Thank you for asking that question. That's great. Um, that is like a ego. Okay, first answer is the ego. Um, society and culture uh, is very good at creating the ego man from I mean from childhood, right? Um, and that is uh, this. Like a direct connection or relationship between the ego and the penis, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, especially, I mean, culturally as well, you know, in Latin culture, you know, like what did they, they say to a child? What, what, what did you hurt as a child when you were a kid? Uh, oh, I thought
0: you were asking me. I was going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yes. What did mean? <laughs> I,
0: I mean, the, when we were talking earlier, not so much about sex, but just in general, and it ties back into like, why are at what point do we stop being pigs? Since I was a child, mm-hmm. five, six years old, I just remember my grandfather or my uncles being like, mira, mira esa, mira esa. Mm-hmm. Oof. Oh, like, <laughs> so you're encouraged constantly to yes, look to and look. to admire women, to desire women. To hunt. Yeah, to hunt. So how do you, and now it's like, wait, this is definitely, this is taught behavior. This mm-hmm. is nurture, right? Yes, this yes. This is the environment that I grew up in and it was instilled and reinforced throughout my childhood. Mm-hmm. and now as an adult it's like no more hunting you're done it's over
2: <laughs> the hunt is <laughs> over
0: right it's so strange and so I think a lot of guys I, and I'm saying this out loud because I think a lot of guys can relate where mm-hmm. throughout our childhood it was like go 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 find hunt pursue
1: and now you're a grown up you're an adult <laughs> I don't sorry grow up. sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, ego, uh, social learning, learning, uh, self-esteem, for sure, and nature, you know, nature, reproduction. Men's, they're hunters. That's the way, that's it, that's it is. that's it is what it is. Um, And the, the, you know, the most important about that is that they know the purpose of why they're using sex and for why they're using sex. Because they are going to feel entitled a lot of the time, and and that entitlement probably will not allow them to to be intimate with the partner. So you really want to explore that in a relationship. What do you mean? By
0: what do you mean by not being able to be intimate? Uh, well, if you, your your
1: ego if your ego is acting out in sex, you know, and then you feel like, uh, well, first you feel a lot of pressure, right? Because you say, oh, I should, I have." Um, if she's not getting enough satisfaction or enough pleasure, mm. uh, that is harm to your ego, mm. you know. And then you can do more and you do more, uh, but that's not enough. But then you look outside to, to to have that attention outside and to feed into that ego. So it becomes like a, the non healthy uh, patterns when when the ego acts out in that way um, and that's the entitlement, right? I uh, know I'm a man, so. Yeah, that's what we do. That's right. right? That's what we that's do. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and and well, no, no, not really. No. No. <laughs> no. You're right. Like
0: you said, the woman has the control. The woman has the power. She has the. W- she's the one who decides. Um,
1: yeah, but you don't want to make it about power struggle, no. You want to to you know we both decide. Mm. We both make uh, the choice. Um, Yes, you know, it's, it's equal. You want to really feel equal to your partner. But what
0: about those relationships that are all about that pursuit, that, that chase, that mm. back and forth? Show me, show me that you desire me. And and, and it, it continues like that.
1: Well, men, they like to, they, they need or they like and they, they feel like they're desired. Mm-hmm. No, men, they need to feel desired. Mm-hmm. Um, call it ego, call it natural nurturing or uh, but they need that um and woman we need to feel i think like hold you know emotionally hold yeah. um i think that is a difference in terms probably also in in evolution um so probably for men you know uh, and this is also for for for, for, for women like it's very important to to initiate to 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 make to have to pr- to have a priority in your mind, or to have it as a priority like, it is important to desire my men. But it's not only to desire my man, but it is important to show my man that I have the desire for for him. Okay. You no, know? I'm talking from the woman perspective, it can be any gender, really. Mm-hmm. Um, any, any gender or sexual orientation. Um, so it's like, I want you I don't want... I was going to say pitchers or catchers, eat. but let me know uh, <laughs> <laughs> So I want you, you know, and don't want it because uh-huh. it is sex. It is whatever, mm-hmm. you know. So um, that's part of, of, you know, what the, the message in the relationship.
0: Gotcha. Relationships are complicated, huh?
1: Yeah, but they're fun as well. They're definitely <laughs> fun.
0: They're definitely fun. What else? Hold on. Let me just see if I have any <laughs> other questions here. Um... Did you guys have any other questions I in the back? I have a question. Mm-hmm. Please. Yes. Like okay.
2: How, as a woman, like, do you want to be sexualized by your partner? But until what point? Because. Forever.
0: No, I'm <laughs> <no> kidding. <laughs> no, like, um,
2: because when, when does it feed to your ego as a woman? Because then you depend on how you're sexualized by your partner, and that's mm-hmm. not really building your own self esteem. So it's like, how do we set like
1: a boundary. what <clears throat> well, there is a difference between uh, feeling sexualized and and um, feeling eroticized. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, feeling sexualized is more like you're an object. That you you are the object of my desire. Feeling eroticized is I'm turned on by by you, you know, and turn on when I, when, uh, when I, ki- I kiss you, when I hug you, when I touch you, when I imagine you, um, and turn on by that. You know, and that is really very erotic. Um, so the other side is the woman. How, as you, your partner, what is your boundary there? You know, and, and what is erotic for you in the relationship and what is not? and maybe you are perceiving that um, uh, you know you are perceiving yourself as an, as an object and maybe that's not really what it, it is. is you know so uh, taking consideration that uh, it is a belief you no know, no it's a belief how do you see yourself and how do you perceive yourself as a woman and as an erotic woman and not as a woman just to provide pleasure you know you, don't, you are not responsible for for your partner's pleasure or your partner's orgasm you're responsible for your own you know and that is and, and that is your power and that's what you want to bring into a relationship and one Yes, it's more close, it's more intimate, it's more present. Um, The other is is more like physical disconnection, even though physical can be very intimate, touched is part of the intimacy, of the expression of that intimacy. Um, But the other has to do with uh, belief. Right, let's go to blame it on on society and let's go to blame it on culture. This and it's true that some men because of pornography and because of Why this or this, this because you are the only man here <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the in the in the in the room.
0: But
1: <laughs> I say some men I know, I you not feel pointing, so I feel
2: threatened
1: here. Um we can talk about that later. <laughs> So, so yes, some men, uh, because the way they learn about it, they they may perceive woman as an object, and and I see they don't they don't like it, you know. I I have uh, I have had some clients that they told me I don't want to keep seeing woman or perceiving woman as an object anymore. They, could don't connect. they yeah. cannot connect. And they cannot they, connect.
2: Do, does that affect them
1: personally? Yes. Yeah, yeah, of course, because they they feed that connection, uh, they feed that lack of connection. and <coughs> um, um you know, you may think that oh men they don't want intimacy, may they do they they want, right? No, they want 100%. intimacy, they want that to feed that closeness. And and when they mature emotionally or when they have different experiences and they keep feeling empty or lonely, they say, Okay, let me see because there is something here that is not really working. What
2: I are signs of
1: um well, when you are that's a great that's a great all right you can send okay, her okay. the invoice <laughs> in the we'll
2: go ahead go ahead sorry
1: um, no she made a great coffee thank ah, you for the, she, thank you for the okay. cafecito <laughs> um that is a very good question emotional maturity has to do with having the courage to share your feelings and to share your thoughts and to be vulnerable i think that resume everything and to be aware of uh, of what you bring into a relationship, okay. and to make decisions based on that, yeah. not make decisions based on impulsivity, of rush, of of neediness. Yeah. Thank you. yeah, welcome.
0: I was gonna. What was the right before you guys were talking about that? What was it you just asked about? Because I was gonna ask something as a as a uh, question. Yeah. About
2: Being this. objectified.
0: Yeah. N- no, no. After just right now before that. I, I don't remember. It's okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe it'll be.
1: I'm watching maturity, yep. being justified. Um I have a quick question. Eroticism, if that's
2: intimacy. No, I don't remember. It's okay.
0: Go ahead, Eric.
2: Um, what advice or do you have experience of couples coming in where one person has a sex addiction and the other one doesn't, and how do you deal
1: with that within a relationship? In, in a relationship? To <laughs> toys uh no, no, <laughs> because that no. I am
0: not a sex therapist.
1: <laughs> how do you, how do you say this in like? Don't do this at home. Yeah, I don't, I don't, <laughs> just, don't try this at home. Don't no. try this at home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um When yes, yeah, so, so when you have a a partner that is a sex addict, you treat the sex addiction. So the person needs to go to meetings, a SAA meeting, which is Sex Anonymous. Uh, sex-added anonymous meetings, based on the 12th step, uh, that partner needs to go to therapy and needs to start his own process of recovery. And then t- the the other panel that doesn't have the addiction also needs to be in therapy, you know, because they, there may be some uh, trauma there, you know, if it's betrayed, um, if they have been betrayed, or affairs, or, you know, some, some common sexual uh, composite behaviors are, um massage with happy end, for example mm-hmm. uh pornography or prostitution uh prostitution yes so um, <coughs> uh, there is also an unsafe uh issue there mm-hmm. you know because if you have an unsafe sex with a with a prostitute or, or with a this uh massage um a person so you you are bringing that into a relationship mm-hmm. you know so you want to create a that safety like be tested you know that both of them can be tested. Um, use you know some at the beginning of the recovery. If what well, you normally they, they they don't want to engage in sexual relationships because they are healing. They are healing from the disclosure of that behavior, and they're really trying to understand uh, the addiction. You know what is the addiction and how what is that of sex addiction. You know that now we're talking about that and we never talk about that. We know, we know alcohol, uh, like alcohol addiction, or drug addiction, substance abuse, addiction, or even gambling. We know about gambling, but not about sex addiction. And sometimes, yes. it's very yes. difficult, to, I feel like, to, like
2: with alcoholism, mm-hmm. you might have like, an effect where you're in the hospital with drugs, same thing. With gambling, you see your bank account, you might go broke. Yeah. With sex addiction, it's like how do you draw the line of like, mm-hmm. I'm an addict, or I just really like sex?
1: Yeah. and the question for that is for what you know e- and the, and doing the same behavior despite of the consequences mm-hmm. like this you know like despite of you feel the disconnection in the relationship the relationship your, your partner is her now because uh, you know he or she knows that you're going to this message and you continue going despite of that despite of, of everything that is, that is that is happening at home. Uh, That is a compulsion, because you feel out of control. You feel that you can't uh, regulate that behavior. You feel the urge, and sometimes it's a physical urge. It's a relief, Um, it's it's a relief that may be a relief from stress. You know, there there is no emotional connection there. Uh, These people, they don't have emotional connection when they watch pornography, or they masturbate for three, four hours. It's just a physical relief, Um, an, an escape. No, so is a way to numb themselves from boredom, from pain, from not knows, from those things. Um, so understanding what, what, I, what is that process, what is going on in the brain when they get that type of stimulation and, and then the, there is this uh, relief, uh, release of dopamine in the brain because the reward system gets activated and they feel that pleasure at that moment but it's a temporary pleasure, you know, and after they have kind of the of the crash. Um, so that is a process that needs to be understood. And for them to know what is what what is the motivation there. For you know what is the motivation to have those behaviors. So the panel receive also that education because the panel also need to make sense of this. You know, how it make sense of this betrayal. And, and it's a process that's really the first stage, the recognition of this is what it is
0: What do you think about um, partners who use sex uh, as, a, as a as a weapon so when they're they use sex they withdraw sex as a punishment um, mm-hmm. or if you don't do this then I you know I hold sex at ransom basically
1: mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, they use sex as part of the power, uh, struggle, mm-hmm. control, no? Well, it's not healthy. It's not healthy. Um, it can become a very toxic uh, dynamic in the relationship. Um, and sex then is, as is associated with um, power, with control, with insecurity. And there is nothing erotic about it. I mean, there is no eroticism there. And it's a huge disconnection. And then uh, dynamics like um, avoidance, you know, and, uh, and avoid uh, intimacy with you uh, because of this, because I know you are using it for this, um, or for the, uh, because you are using the sex uh, to gain something like a secondary gain, mm-hmm. you know, and that's also and that is also unhealthy. Um, so. It's important that's why the you know, it's very important to to learn like when you are in that having sex or sexual intimacy, what it is that you're experiencing, you know, and, and to really be aware. If that is going on, I wonder you need to have power for what? You need to have control in your relationship for what? Mm-hmm. What it is that you want to, to compensate there or, or from what from what place are you coming that you have to use sex in your relationship to maintain some type of ego power
0: there. does well, Are you thinking that that person has some sort of weakness in some other area of their life and so they're using that power struggle there to show that they're they're dominant?
1: Sure, it's coming from a place of insecurity. Yeah. For sure. Okay. Yes.
0: Oh, well, another question. Why are divorce rates so high?
1: <sighs> oh, that's a lovely well, question. Well, um, I, I have, I actually let me, let me tag on to yes. that question.
0: Forget about why are divorce rates so high because I'm sure there's a million reasons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Divorce rates are about what, 50%? 50%, 50%, okay. percent, yes. Of those 50%, how many, How? what percentage of marriages do you think are actually happy and healthy? Mm. And that's a hard question, I'm just asking. Yeah, it's a
1: hard question. I would say from my own experience, um, the one that are together, you know, even living together, mm-hmm. because now we're talking, you know, I say conceptualization of marriage now, mm-hmm. the paper. Or just living together? Yeah, no, no, no. Just a paper and living together, on and or living together. No, living together. <laughs> living together. Living together. Um, I would say, like, uh, I would say, like, a high percentage. You know, because uh, I think that, that according to my experience, at least here in, in where I live in Miami. Uh, people have a culture of looking for help when something is not going well in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Maybe in a different, maybe in Cuba it's different, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but uh, my experience here is that people they look for help when they are not communicating, when they uh, feel resented or there is frustrations. They're looking for help, and that is a good sign You're because right. because that is telling me like. Not only that you care about the relationship, but you care about having a long-term relationship. Mm. You know, you're not just uh, tirando la toalla, how yeah, we say yeah. in Spanish, not just giving, in, yeah. <laughs> giving not in. Just throwing the towel. Yeah, throwing the towel. While you are you are walking towards it. Uh, so hope. You know, I, uh, I I I want when I want my couples to to also look when they go to therapy is hope, and and that's they leave the, se- the first session feeling that. So we can work because they, don't, they they don't have that hope. We can know, you know it's very difficult to work together, and and that's why I say like majority of people that are together, it depending on the age as well, you know how many how many years they have been together, they try to to work it out. Many reasons, you know, family, kids, uh, because they love each other, they 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 really really love each other, but they just don't know how to love each other at this stage of their life hmm. or when there is a baby you know or when there is a change in whatever dynamics job or a stress or financial situation okay. so it's it's learning you know they need to learn how to do the things
0: and i have two more questions for you and unless they have some more also but um the um i'll actually i'll go to this one first three times that was something that something else when you bring a third party into mm-hmm, into mm-hmm. your intimate relationship, um, obviously there has to be a lot of communication before yes. you do mm-hmm. this. It's 2022; a lot more people are engaging in this type yes. of behavior, and even openly. Mm-hmm. So, how, what is the right way? What is the wrong way? And what and, and is there are there any studies that show when you do introduce a third party that this could actually be catastrophic for the relationship?
1: Mm, not really. I mean, there is not really. Um, I don't know of any research that shows that it's a catastrophe. <laughs> 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 um, I have seen it. Uh, I have seen it in couples. Um, if they have an open, com- clear boundaries, mm-hmm. you know, like if you're going to invite the third person, it's going to be, for example, uh, somebody that is not in immediate um, circle of friends, nobody from the family, nobody from, f- from the, our circle of friends. Uh, it's just this day, one night to have fun and um, it made somebody that made the middle line, you know, so they know what's the deal and the other person agree and they have fun and, and that's it. You know, I think that having those clear boundaries is very important when it's noisy is when uh, one of the partners of the relationship, they start to have like secrets, you know, like communica- uh, communicating with the, the third person uh, and the other partner doesn't know that that communication is going on. Uh, or making agreements to be with the relationship, but the other partner doesn't know that those agreements are going on. So that is a deviation from the, from the norm in that relationship that is we do it this together we talk about this together and we made the bancheries together and we choose the person together as yeah. well so that's that's like the core of that
0: so much huh yeah this is, i feel like there's been a loaded <laughs> conversation <laughs> do you guys have any other questions
2: <laughs> no
1: You're
0: sure I, I think they're lying but it's okay <laughs> um. well
1: we can have some you know we can uh, of course, I hope we meet again. Oh, I d- we're definitely going to do this together. <laughs> I
0: promise you that. And even if I, I don't, it. there's going to be some <laughs> conflict in our relationship back here because they're going to have communication with you without telling me. <laughs> but that's okay. That's I, ac- okay that's I accept okay. it. All right. Um, I want to thank you, honestly. Uh, thank you this, for I, I know that these are hard conversations to have, um, but you come with a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of experience, anecdotal experience thank with you. individual patients that you've seen and bringing your expertise here means mm-hmm. a lot to me. Um, so, thank you for taking your time out of your day. Where can people find you?
1: Uh, well, I have my Instagram, Dr. Yasmine Marimon. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll put that up and you'll put there my, well, my phone number. They can uh, call me or text me, 786 229 6947. 229 6947. 229 6947. Awesome. Okay. Yes. And my website is YM Psychotherapy. In Miami. dot com. Perfect. Yes, but uh, you go to Instagram and it's easier. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. All the information. All the information is there. Yeah,
0: I wanted to make sure we put that information out there. Yes. And yeah, I think. Thank I you think, no. for
1: the for the invitation. It was lovely. I love it. Thank you. I for love it. all the all the topics, different issues. I mean, it's, it's. I'm sure there is more to to talk about. And I invite people to ask questions write you to know to send you messages wha- what else they want to know um, so we can do this again and you know I look at people that awesome. that is we'll all, it so
0: needed. all right well bueno, thank you doctor yes I appreciate it gracias bueno,
1: <laughs>